I'm on the west side of Chicago looking for a bus down make me put my two arms up. Touchdown. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 53 of All In With Kevin. I am your host, Kevin Lewis. In today's episode, I'm going to speak about the running back position in fantasy football this year. Uh, I'm going to give my rankings and a general overview of the position as well as sleepers, break, uh, sleepers breakouts, and bust. So I'll start with a little bit of an overview. <clears throat> um, running back has evolved so much over the years from when I first started playing fantasy football in, let's say, two, I think it was 08. 08. I started playing in 08 all the way until now. We, we don't have a lot of backfields are split. You've got a lot of guys getting touches, a lot of guys getting reps, a lot of backfields are split. Um, as opposed to 06, where a lot of running backs were the main guy, the feature guy, getting a ton of looks. And you could rely on, you know, RB1 to be consistently RB1. Now it's kind of just everybody gets split carries. You got specialists, you got third down backs, you got, you got in, in, in between the tackle grinders, so on and so forth. So, um, th- th- with that said, there uh, there are quite a few strategies that um, people talk about and enforce when it comes to running when it comes to running back as a whole in drafts. Like zero RB is a popular one. Robust RB is another popular one. People like me kind of live somewhere between the two. For those who don't know, zero RB is kind of you you ignore running back. I wouldn't say ignore. Ignore is probably the wrong word. If a running back is not the best player on the table, on um, available in the first however many rounds, three or four rounds, f- four or five rounds, it depends on depends on who you talk to. Like zero running back, and then you have modified zero running back. But basically, like the first three, four, five, six rounds, however many uh, with that particular person, you don't take a running back, and you kind of. You kind of attack the ambiguous backfield, like the backfields where it's not clear who has the job or who who's the starter, who's the backup, and you attack like backups to injury prone players or or pass catching backs or whatever. But you you are stocking up everywhere else, and then you are playing the the throw darts game. That's zero RB. Robust RB is the complete opposite. You start off your draft with you know two running backs, your first two picks, three your first three picks. Like four out of five, something like this, something like that. That's robust running back. I live somewhere in between because I've tried both those strategies. Neither one of them works for me. I'm kind of a best player available kind of guy, so I don't do either one. But quite, um, and I mean, if, if I had to pick one of those, it'd probably be robust RB because I feel like that's a more sustainable strategy. Because one, it's harder to find, in my opinion. Anyway, it's harder to find you know, reliable running backs on waivers because most of the running backs who are good or who might get carries or who would get carries in in the event of an injury are rostered. Like, yes, you have the James Robinsons every year. Like, Antonio Gibson went late last year. Like, Salvin Ahmed is way different than those two dudes, but he came in late last year and and he produced down the stretch. You have a bunch of those guys. But to me, it's just, it's hard to rely on that. So zero RB is just not something that I'd be super into doing. Like I will do it if the situation calls for it. 
Like, in, in this year's draft, if I'm picking, like, 10th, and you're telling me I could get, like, Tyreek Hill and then Travis Kelsey on the comeback or some something along those lines, I'm willing to consider it. And then, like, I don't know who, like, Calvin Ridley falls around to my pick in round three or something like that. Like, I'd be willing to then be like, all right, I, I'm willing to go the first three rounds without a back. But it, it's, I feel like the, the, the most... The, the most optimal strategy this year is to at least leave the first two rounds with one running back. If that if that's what the board dictates, I think that's what you should do. I think that should be a priority. Um, and I think that um, if, if it calls for you to take two running backs, do that. But either way, it's a lot of guesswork. I mean, the running backs this year... I mean, there there are a few reliable ones, but like once you get past tier two, which I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about my tiers in, here in a minute. Once you get past like tier two, it's a lot of question marks, and even within tier two, there there are a couple of questions. But once you get past tier two, it's a lot of question marks that you can nitpick. And I mean, yes, that's the nature of the running back position, but you can nitpick for whatever reason you want: injury, timeshare, you know. Um, Lack of pass catching. You could nitpick for whatever reason you want. So, with that said, um, me, me, myself, like, I'm looking to get at least one top 10 back. Like, that's the goal. If, if it doesn't go that way, it doesn't go that way. That's fine. But I'm looking to get at least one top 10 back. And then once I do that, I'm, I'm more open to not necessarily ignoring RB2, but if... If the if the board calls for me to wait on RB two for a while, I'm willing to do it. But RB one, I feel I, I would feel way more comfortable if that position was filled by round two at latest. So with that said, I'll get into my tiers. Um, tier one is Christian McCaffrey. Yes, I have Christian McCaffrey in his own tier. Um, I'm not going to argue with you if you put like the Dalvin Cooks and Alvin Kamara's in the same tier. Um, I'll make an argument for Alvin Kamara in that it in in that vein when I get to him in the next tier. But uh, look, man, McCaffrey, it's pretty simple. Him in 2019, yeah, he outscored RB two, which was Cook, by nine points per game. Look, last season he was out. I understand that. Um, as long as he's healthy, I don't see I don't see how he isn't just in his own tier. Like the gap between him and everybody else is just it is wide enough to make it to make the argument that he has his own tier and that's why I did it um tier two uh, mind you these are in order I should I should um state that um tier two is Dalvin Cook Alvin Kamara Ezekiel Elliott Austin Eckler and Derrick Henry um Dalvin Cook top five finishes back-to-back years it seems like his injury concerns are have been lessened over the last couple years he's been relatively healthy you know um Run first offense, like Mike Zimmer is committed to running the ball. Um, he still has no real competition, not like uh, Alexander Madison is going to come in and take his touches. Like Alexander Madison is a, is a backup in every sense of the term. Um, the Vikings have an improved defense, so perhaps that improves their game scripts, and perhaps that, that in turn improves how many touches he gets. So draft Dalvin Cook with confidence. Um, Alvin Kamara, 
as I said, I was going to make a, a slight case for him in the same in a in a tier in a tier one vein. Um, in five regular season games without Michael Thomas last year, he averaged twenty eight point seven points per game in PPR formats. He had eighty seven carries for four hundred forty one yards and four rushing touchdowns. 55 catches on 66 targets for 556 yards and three receiving touchdowns. I don't know what's going to change, like with Jameis instead of Drew Brees, that or or Taysom Hill. If if it's Taysom Hill, I might have to knock down Kamara Peg or two. But I'm assuming Jameis is going to start, so I don't know what's going to change with Jameis as a quarterback. But without Thomas, it ain't exactly like the Saints have world-beating wide receiver talents. I'd expect. Alvin Kamara to get a lot of targets regardless of where he's lined up, whether it's in the backfield, in the slot, wherever. I'd expect him to get a lot of touches. Okay, um, Ezekiel, Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott is number four on my list. Um, the Cowboys have fed rushing touchdowns to their star running backs basically as long as I've been alive. I feel like em- Emmitt Smith got every damn rushing touchdown, now Zeke. Um, before it was DeMarco Murray, like I, I don't know if this is a Jerry Jones thing. I don't know if this is a big ass coincidence. Probably not, but I don't know if this is a big ass coincidence. That's just what they do, and and they're they're paying Ezekiel Elliott like he's the man. The Cowboys should score a ton of points, and Elliott should be largely unchallenged with regards to touches. I, I sat for a while and I considered Elliott over Kamara. Um, but I, I think Kamara's usage in the games without Michael Thomas last year kind of swayed me in that direction. But I think Ezekiel Elliott is prime for a big year. And he came into camp in shape. I know, I know. Best shape of his life season. I know. We're going to hear that a lot. I know. But still, it can't hurt, right? Next is Austin Eckler. Um, he's one of the premier dual threat running backs in the sport. He has little threat to his job, like Justin Jackson and what Kalen Balaj or whoever the whoever the fuck else they got. They they're not gonna they're, they're no threat to his job, and I I wouldn't be shocked if he catches a hundred passes. Like he averaged six per game in, in the Herbert starts last year, so it wouldn't shock me if he gets to hundred. I wouldn't bet on it, but he's gonna get a lot of catches. And look, a Herbert. A Herbert-led Los Angeles offense that takes us that takes a, a leap in his second year. And who knows what who knows what the ceiling is for Austin Eckler? Who knows? Um, Derrick Henry. I, I always have trouble ranking him every year because like I, he just doesn't catch passes. He, he doesn't. Like he really doesn't. Obviously, in in non PPR leagues, Henry is way higher than sixth. Like he probably he probably would be second for me. But as is. In, 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 in PPR formats or half PPR formats, like I, I think sixth is fair for him. He's led the league in rushing the past two years. He he's a monster, clearly. Like if you watch the games you see it. But like the offensive coordinator is out of town now. And are the are the Titans acquired Julio Jones? Are they really gonna acquire Julio Jones and then not pass the ball more? I mean I wouldn't be surprised NFL teams do that kind of stupid ass shit. So it wouldn't surprise me if uh they did that, but if they do pass the ball more, where does that leave Henry as far as his ceiling and floor? Because, again, he provides nothing in the passing game. All right, so Tier 3, Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Najee Harris, Joe Mixon, Antonio Gibson, Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins. This tier is kind of, as I said in the open, um, this tier is just full of question marks. Um... 
But Jonathan Taylor, monster. Down the stretch, absolute monster. Monstrous last seven games. He averaged 131 yards a game total. A total uh, average 100 total yards a game. 130 yards total, total yards a game. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Excuse me. And and scored nine touchdowns in the final seven games. He basically played, he played like a league winner. And if you had him or you traded for him, and you and you had and you held on to him for that long, you were you you were handsomely rewarded. But if Carson Wentz is hurt and they got to play Jacob Jacob Eason, how is that going to work? How is that going to go? Is he is he going to have the kind of running space that he needs? Is he going to get the ball out of the backfield? I don't know. So that is that is a fair question, right? I don't really question his game too much, nor do I question his situation because the line is great. The line is great. The coach is great. The quarterback situation gives me a little bit of pause. Um, I really don't want to have to draft Saquon Barkley if I don't have to. Because, I mean, concerns about his knee and his early playing time are what they are. But, like, his ability speaks for itself. And I don't really care that much about talent at running back in fantasy because opportunity is king. But his talent is really all I have to go on because I damn sure I'm not drafting because of Jason fucking Garrett. Or, you know, playing playing with Daniel Jones. I'm not drafting I'm not drafting because of that shit. I'm drafting him because he, he is a mega talent. So I, I would I'd keep a look on uh, what's going on in training camp with him and as far as his uh, he, he started on the P, on the PUP list, on the physically unable to perform list. So we will see what happens with him the the majority of tra- the rest of training camp. Um Jay Harris. Uh Harris is really talented, but I feel like the spiel I just gave you about Saquon Barkley, I'm betting on Harris for the exact opposite reasons. He He's going to get every opportunity to shine. Like, Mike Tomlin is one of the few coaches left that relies on a pure on a pure bell cow feature back. They drafted him in round one for a reason. They're going to they're, they're gonna want to justify drafting him in round one, which is hard for a running back in 2021. But they want to justify drafting him in round one, so they're going to give him all of the touches that he can receive. Now, the line stinks, or it, it, at least it projects to stink. People improve. It projects to stink. It's pretty much largely the same line that it was last year. It, it projects to stink. But if, if, if Najee is going to get 300, 320 touches, it really doesn't matter. Like, he's going to produce regardless. Uh, Joe Mixon, look, I get it. You drafted Joe Mixon last year, and you're upset. Okay, I get it. He upset you. He failed you. He got hurt. We've been we've been talking about Joe Mixon's upside for what feels like a decade. I get it. He's kind of boomer busty. I get it. I get it. All right. Look, his current ADP is 18 overall, which is the middle of round two. That's perfectly fine for somebody with that kind of ceiling. It is. Look, Gio Bernard is gone, so he might get full time work. And, and, and Cincinnati's offense projects is good enough to get him plenty of touchdown opportunities. Like, cross him off the board at your own risk. But don't be mad if you don't draft him and you skip out on him for, well, I'm upset, word to Drake, reasons, and then he goes off and, and realizes the potential that we've thought that he's had for the last, whatever, four years, three years, five years, however long he's been in the league. Don't be mad at that point. If you want to pass him, do it. Not telling you not to. Go ahead, whatever you feel comfortable with, but be prepared. Tell you, be prepared. Um, Antonio Gibson, 
I, I love the potential. Look, he played wide receiver in college. Like last year, he secured 36 or 44 targets at running back. And that's with J.D. McKissick taking up a lot of fucking playing time because all, all Alex Smith did was check the ball down. Sensible coaching, a huge quarterback upgrade, and more opportunities can make for a massive second-year leap for Antonio Gibson. I'm very excited for him. Um, I will talk about breakouts later on, but he is one of them. Uh, Nick Chubb. Um, look, if the if the Browns, it's pretty simple with Chubb. If the Browns win as many games as people think they're going to win, this rank this ranking might end up being a little bit conservative. But Chubb is basically Josh Jacobs in favorable in favorable conditions from a purely statistical production standpoint. Yes, Chubb might be the best pure runner in football. I'm not comparing him to Jacobs on that front because he's clearly better. No offense to Josh Jacobs, but he produces nothing in the passing game. So. Basically, like, yo, the better the Browns are, the more looks he stands to get. And if they, for some reason, underachieve, which we'll see, um, that that could potentially hurt his production. All right, Tier 4, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Miles Sanders, David Montgomery, Chris Carson, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. (sighs) Edwards-Alaire disappointed so many of us last year, just like me. Um, I'm not as high on Joe Mix on him as I am Joe Mixon, rel- relatively comparatively speaking. So I'm not going to give you the same spiel about being mad at Ceh because I understand why you're mad, and I obviously I'm not saying to go out of the way and draft him because I have him in tier four. Um, <clears throat> down the sh- uh, f- first of all, when they signed Le'Veon Bell, that was kind of a warning sign. To be fair. It was an obvious warning sign. And then down the stretch, they never really used him in the passing game. Uh, they, they never really had him on third downs. Like They didn't have him in the block. They didn't really throw him the ball much. That That's kind of alarming. But for, for a rookie running back, I mean, we'll see what happens in year two with him. So, um, I mean... I would draft him. It, 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 he plays for the Chiefs, man. Like the Chiefs are gonna have the best offense in the league, most likely. Clyde Edwards-Helaire falling ass backwards into like a running back seven finish shouldn't, shouldn't surprise anybody. It shouldn't. Um, Miles Sanders, speaking of frustrating running backs, he's extremely talented, but he he caught a mean case of the drops last year. It was bad. Um, but his situation's good. Like Philly's OL is good. They have a dual threat quarterback, which should which should help create lanes for him. Um, and he's been very efficient in his career. Like you, you could you you could say whatever about why and how it's buoyed by big runs or whatever. But he's he's been a cons- consistently efficient. So he he's another guy who it wouldn't surprise me if he fell into like a running back eleven kind of finish, especially if Hurts successfully plays the whole season and is good. Um, David Montgomery feels very very much like a trap. Like, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he's going to be bad, right? But Tariq Cohen being out for the year helped bolster David Montgomery's pass game usage. And he also... He he also um, really beefed up his um, profile based on beating up bad teams the last like six seven weeks of the year. Um, 
I don't think that risk is baked, baked enough into his ADP considering he's going at the beginning of round three right now. So I, at this rate, I'm probably going to be sitting out the David Montgomery show. But on the flip side, to be fair, um, Justin Fields being a potential dual threat quarterback could do wonders for him. So I'm probably going to be sitting out the David Montgomery extravaganza, but I don't blame you if you take him. But I would be wary of paying for last year's production, which is kind of what I feel like you're doing if you're taking him at the beginning of round three. Um, Chris Carson, I love Chris Carson's game. Like, he's skilled, he's talented, he hits holes hard, he, he plays hard, he he runs through people, he runs around people. He's he's an excellent running back. But he's always hurt. I, well, not always hurt, that's an exaggeration. But he he's good to miss a couple of games per year. I just went through how he plays and how good it is, but it's also a blessing and a curse because it's part of the reason why he's always dinged up. His his touches per game last year decreased from 21 to 16. Obviously, I mentioned his injury history, but look, there will be plenty of scoring opportunities. I don't, I just don't see much of a ceiling with Chris Carson, but I can see him being, you know, a rock solid every week RB two as long as he's playing. So like. I wouldn't be surprised if he finishes in like the 16 to 20 range at the end of the season in points per game. DeAndre Swift. <sighs> the, Detroit, the Detroit Lions. Um, Look, he's on a team with a check down Charlie at quarterback, man. Like Jared Goff loves to check the ball down. Jared Goff is not very good. The Detroit Lions should also be trailing a lot. Um, so that should give more opportunities for DeAndre Swift to catch the ball. Jamal Williams signing makes things more interesting because he, he is a good back in his own right. And the um, Anthony Lynn has referred to Jamal Williams as an A-back, which basically means he is an in-between-the-tackles back. Um, I'm not sure how, how, how they plan on divvying out the touches between the two, but Jamal Williams' presence is why DeAndre Swift is not ranked higher for me. Um, finally, J.K. Dobbins. Um, I love Dobbins' talent, but the pass-catching upside is kind of low because, you know, um, running quarterbacks don't really throw to their backs like that. They'd rather run, which I do not blame them. Um, and touchdown upside with Gus Edwards and Lamar Jackson in the fold, I'm I'm concerned about it. Now, uh, on the flip side with, with Dobbins, uh, Mark Ingram was absolutely stupendous in 2019. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe that is within the range of possibilities, with uh, within the range of outcomes for Dobbins, like that kind of season where it's just he's wildly efficient, he scores a million touchdowns, and exceeds expectations. Who knows? The talent is there. Like I love his talent. The talent's there. Um, I wouldn't necessarily bet on him, but at the same time, really good offense. They're going to run the ball a ton. We know that. But the the pass catching and the touchdowns just... I, I can't get past that hurdle to get myself high on J.K. Dobbins like that. All right, next tier, tier five. We have Mike Gaskin, Mike Davis, D'Angelo Henderson... I mean, Daryl Henderson, excuse me, Daryl Henderson, Josh Jacobs, Travis Etienne, Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds, Trey Sermon, Javante Williams. It's a big, this is a big tier, and it's a big tier of guesswork. Um, 
I think Miles Gaskin has a little bit more upside than people realize, including maybe myself. Because I'm writing this and I wanted to rank him higher, but also I realized that people need to see see it again. And I'm kind of and look, it's me. I'm people. <laughs> I need to see it again. The Dolphins didn't invest much in running back in the offseason, so it's not like he has somebody that's a direct threat to his job. Like Salvin Ahmed was pretty good last year, but I don't. He he projects as a backup back. Um, Gaskin was top 10 in points per game last year when he, when he was healthy. And regardless of who started at running back last year, Miami co- seemed committed to featuring one dude. They seemed to be committed to, hey, you are the running back one, and whoever's the running back two is getting the scraps. So I, I, I like Gaskin. I, I, I like him a lot. I wish I could rank him higher, but it's one of those, this is a wait-and-see ranking. Uh, Mike Davis, I'm not sure about Mike Dallas, Mike Davis' talent level, but he projects to be a lead back on the team on a, on a team who should score a lot and allow a lot of points. There's going to be plenty of opportunity for Mike Davis as long as he doesn't lose his job. And who the hell would he lose his job to? I can't even name any other backs on the, on the Falcons. I know Ty Gurley is out of there. Who else is there? Brian Hill is still there? I don't know, bro. Are they are they going to call Jamal Anderson out of retirement to do the Dirty Bird? Who who is who who are the backs in Atlanta? But um, next, Daryl Henderson. Henderson has a really good opportunity to jumpstart his career now that he's the lead back in an explosive, fantasy-friendly offense who can also catch. Um, I, I like his game. Like He's an explosive runner, explosive, explosive in, in between the tackles, competent pass catcher. Like you're not going to need to take him off the field on passing downs, as far as I could tell, Like unless he's an awful blocker, which... Nothing that I've read in the case that he is. So, um, I, I think I, I think um, he's another guy who could exceed expectations in this tier. And it wouldn't surprise me if he makes a tier into like the top, he makes a jump into like the top 15. Um, Josh Jacobs, I mentioned him earlier when I was talking about Nick Chubb. Uh, I have no interest in drafting Josh Jacobs because I, with him, all I see, I don't see a ceiling and I see a, I see a frightening floor on a game-to-game basis. Look, it's simple. And yes, I'm about to take a shot at the Raiders. If you are a Raiders fan, I apologize. Or, no, actually, I don't. Fuck them. But um, if, if you're taking Josh Jacobs, you are then either hoping that the Raiders win a, a lot of games or you think the Raiders are going to win a lot of games. Stranger things have happened. Maybe the Raiders go out there and win 11 out of 16 games. Stranger things have happened, right? Right. But he is as game script reliant a running back as any running back in the sport. Like if if they're not winning, he ain't he ain't doing shit. Like he's coming off the field. They don't throw him passes like that. He is a two-down running back in every sense of the, in every sense of the, of the term. And he does not get work if they're if they're not winning. So if you think the Raiders are gonna win, then my ranking shouldn't mean shit to you. If you think the Raiders are gonna struggle, win six games, win seven games, win five games, then you shouldn't be taking Josh Jacobs. Like it's it's pretty simple. The, the Raiders have shown you what it is with Josh Jacobs for a couple of years now. Uh, Travis Etienne, um, I have no, I don't know what to make. Of him or his role because I don't know what to expect from Urban Meyer but look they gave him wide receiver reps in camp there's Percy Harvin talk as far as usage they took him in the top 25 he's probably gonna see a lot of touches 
you could probably do worse. Uh, Raheem Mostert, I love his game. He's extremely productive when he's on the field. Like, five yards of carry last year when he played and all that. But he's another one who, who stays banged up. Um, but if he could keep his job as a lead back in an offense, and in, in an offense with um, Trey Lance potentially coming in, you know, a mobile quarterback and, you know, um, potentially favorable win totals and a great coach, and then then he makes for a really good running back too. Um, Chase Edmonds, he he's a good pass catcher. Like he is. Um, I don't know how many carries they're really going to give him, and I don't know what his touchdown upside is with Kyler Murray potentially stealing goal line touches from him. And, and I don't know what his pass catching upside is either with Rondell Moore getting the position the, the possession receiver targets really so I don't have a good grasp of what Chase Edmonds upside is all I know is he's a good real life football player and if he gets a few more touchdowns or he gets a few more carries than you expect you know his outlook pr- looks pretty good then um, Trey Sermon uh, Trey Sermon the same stuff that's, that I said about most of the replies to him except Shanahan traded up for him if Kyle likes him I like him um, Javante Williams, I don't expect Melvin Gordon to stand in his way for long, if at all. I wouldn't be surprised if Melvin Gordon is cut. I wouldn't be surprised if Melvin Gordon is traded for, you know, a, a bag of potato chips or whatever it is that guys like that get traded for. Um, either way, he, he, has a, he has a lot of ability. He can catch the ball, so on and so forth. Um, Denver, their, their offense is is really loaded on paper, but the quarterback situation is so bad it might drag the whole operation down. So I don't know what to make of it from that point, from that perspective. But I, I fully expect by week like five at worst that Javante is going to take over. They didn't draft the dude. They didn't trade up to draft him around two for no reason. Um, tier six: Michael Cor- Michael Carter, Leonard Fournette, Ronald Jones. Zach Moss, Jamal Williams, Melvin Gordon, Dwayne Harris, Naheem Hines, A.J. Dillon. Um, Michael, Cor- Michael Carter is an exciting rookie for the Jets. I would be careful about overdrafting him. I feel like once these training camp reports start rolling in and he's looking good and all that, I feel like his ADP is going to get out of control. I'd be careful with that. Um, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, I feel like, are... Just one in the same. I think Ronald Jones is probably a slightly better player. I don't think either one is particularly good. But if, the, if one of them gets hurt, then the other one vaults into like top 15 running back potent, um, territory. Unless Gio Bernard is going to get more touches than I realize. <clears throat> so while I'm not super high on either one of them as individual NFL talents, even though I, I think Ronald Jones is better, um, I, I, would, I would draft them just in, it, it 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 makes for a good stash, especially if you're one of those who like to do the zero RB thing, or one of those who just drafts one guy and kind of leaves the second one, the second spot open. It's a rotating door kind of situation for you. I think drafting one of those Tampa Bay, Tampa Bay running backs makes a lot of sense. Um, Tariq Cohen is back. Um, the, the the next tier, excuse me, is David Johnson, Tariq Cohen, Kenyon Drake. James Conner, Gus Edwards, Latavius Murray, Devin Singletary, Alexander Madison, and James White. 
Uh, Tariq Cohen is back. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with his pass catching role, but as long as it's there, he has value. Because again, if you play in half PPR leagues or a full point PPR leagues, you get a, you get a point for every catch or a half point for every catch. Tariq Cohen is valuable from that perspective. Is he ever going to be an RB2 again? Probably not. Well, not this year. I don't think so, but you just never know. Like, he might have one of those seasons he scores eight touchdowns on, like, 65 targets and 50 catches, something like that, and then by default, he's an RB2 because this is um, the position is a mess. Um, so that that is that is the tiers, the, all seven of them. Um like I think that covered like 45 46 running backs um, as far as sleepers breakouts and busts uh, the sleepers I have James White and Jamal Williams um, James White he was third in target share among running backs last season I know nobody really wants to draft the Patriot um, the Patriot pass catchers or the guy um, in this case you know the running back who basically is a wide receiver and you know, for all intents and purposes because Cam Newton's the quarterback as of right now, and Cam Newton was dreadful last season. So I get that people don't necessarily want to draft him, and that's the good thing about James White. You could get him for free. Like the Patriots aren't exactly stocked with game-changing weapons on the outside. Um, James White has been over-reliable in their passing game for a long time now. And he's had, he's had a few RB2, RB1 seasons under his belt in PPR formats. You could draft him for basically free and move on. Um, Jamal Williams, I went, I spoke about him a little bit earlier in the DeAndre Swift section of the of of the programming. He's an early down running back who does catch some passes, um, and might he might have the most carries on the team. I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. Like that, those are the type of running backs that you want to take a a a, a dart throw at. Uh, breakouts, I mentioned these two guys earlier. Uh, Miles Gaskin, he averaged nearly 100 yards in his starts last season, and he was top 10 in the average points per game, like I said earlier. And Antonio Gibson, you know, same thing I'm going to say, as I said earlier, you know, great situation, you know, good team, or at least a team that projects to be good. They got a big upgrade at quarterback from last season, and I expect him to be better than he was last season. I expect him to take a year two leap. Uh, bust. I have Josh Jacobs and Saquon Barkley. Barkley, bust is probably too strong a word, but I just wanted to put two names in here. I don't really feel comfortable drafting him. Like maybe as as we get closer to the season, I will. But he's already on the pup list. Already talking about scaling back his workload. The Giants stink. At least they project to stink offensively. I don't think they're going to be very good. Their offensive line is terrible. Barkley's just, and the thing is with him is like you take him, and you kind of got to hope for a sixty-yard run every game. And I mean, yo, he's good enough to do stuff like that regularly. So I'm not putting it past him. But it, I'll put it like this: if you're gonna take take on Barkley, don't watch the games. The end. And Josh Jacobs, for reason I mentioned earlier, if you're taking Josh Jacobs, you are actively taking a running back who does who does very little in the passing game and who is as game script dependent a running back as there is. And that guy is not on a good team. Good luck with that. So all in all, in conclusion, 
running back is kind of a mess. <laughs> like, I feel like most of these running backs after McCaffrey and after Cook, and to a lesser extent Kamara, you can kind of nitpick to death. And even Kamara, like if Taysom Hill starts, obviously you have that situation. So after McCaffrey, after Cook, you, you could pretty much nitpick all these running backs. Um, I would keep an eye out as far as mid mid round picks and late round picks that are running back, I keep an eye out on running backs who you project to catch balls, to catch passes. Um, but like the James Whites, like those guys, like the Gio Bernards to a lesser degree, like the Jamal Williamses, I guess, like those kind of dudes. I, I and 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 also I, I'd keep keep in mind the the backups who happen to be in between the tackle kind of guys who, who 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 might also catch passes. I keep those in mind. Um ultimately man, hey man, it it's running back can make or break your drafts, can make or break your leagues. If you fuck that running back, you might be fucked. So you gotta make gotta make it make it a priority. Do it however you feel the need to do it. There's no one there's no one size fits all but Good luck. I hope this podcast helped. And that is all for me. Before I get out of here, I'd like to implore you to listen to the Middle Initial Podcast with Jude Jackson, Andrew L. Case, and myself. We talk about current sports topics, and we give our takes. Some of them good, some of them not so good. Um, the not so good ones won't be coming from me. Um, <laughs> and the the podcast no one asked for with Jordan, call, uh, Jordan Kyle and Paulie as they discuss current pop culture topics. And all of those podcasts are are um, with the Ascension Podcast Network. Rate, review, and subscribe those podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe my, for mine. Um, that is all for me. That's all for this episode. I will see you guys when I see you.